Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father God, we, uh, we turn this time over to you and we ask for you to be present in it. Lord, you're, you're here among us. You're closer than every breath that we breathe. Uh, but God, we aren't always aware. So help us to be aware, to hear your voice, to learn who you are, uh, to be formed. In our hearts to, to be like Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill this place and lead us to the Father. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I get the feeling that there are a lot of people who are tired of the season that we're going through. Yeah? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I'm, seeing a, I'm seeing a lot of thumbs up in this room today. I bet you're feeling the same online. It's a, it's a dry season. I think people are really tired of COVID, uh, really tired of the stress of having to wear masks or the stress of people won't wear masks. I think we're, we're, there's a lot of stress and anxiety about the election that's coming up and, uh, the ads that we see and the way people are acting and, and uh, they won't see what I see. <laughs> We're convinced that there is, is really going to be damage done if the other candidate is elected, no matter who your, your candidate is. And I think we miss the, the routine of the way it used to be way back in the old days. That we remember so fondly in January and February. Um, there's this nostalgia uh, uh, and wanting to get back to what it, it was like. And we're not there. And we don't know when we can go back. And we're looking ahead at, at Halloween. Is, in, is anybody ever going to dare to trick or treat at Halloween? Uh, and what about Thanksgiving? Can we even get together? At Thanksgiving and Christmas, what's going to happen? You know, and there are questions that we have, and we don't know answers. And, and we're at a time where there's, um, there's division, and, and we feel it, and we're tired of it, and, and it just, it's like it gets into our bones. But I think that our scriptures today speak to that in, in a way that can make a difference in our lives, because we, we're going to look at all three of those scriptures they spoke to the people at the time and reminded them of what's important. And so I think it'll do the same for us. So if you have your Bibles, flip open to Psalm 23. Uh, these scriptures can teach us that we can acknowledge the difficulties and, and the, the times that we're in. Uh, we even look ahead in one of them, to, to what happens when the Lord comes back. And there's going to be some awful stuff, evidently, that's between now and then. But even in the midst of that, we can find peace in God and maintain a hope, which in Bible words means we, ha we can have a confidence and assurance that God is with us and provides for us and will never forsake us. So, Psalm 23. 
Uh, it's a well-known psalm. It was written by uh, King David, uh, one of the most famous people ever in Israel. Um, and he, at one point in his life, for many years growing up, was a shepherd. And he was considering, who are you, God? How do I put into words what I've found in this relationship that I have with you? And the best thing that he could come up with is probably this most famous thing that he ever wrote, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's, he's the one that looks out for me in such a way that I used to look out for the sheep, and my sheep didn't lack for anything. They had everything that they needed, and that's how God looks out at me. Uh, I, I took care of the sheep. I led them to where the grass was. It's not easy to come by in a desert area, but I would take them to, to fields of grass, and I'd take them to where the water was, and they had everything that they needed. And God is like that. He feeds me in green pastures. He leads me to, to waters of comfort. He refreshes my soul. Sheep don't thrive in, unless they're at peace, and, unless, unless they're calm. And he's, David says, that's, that's who God is. He refreshes me and he brings me forth and it helps me to live right. Now, I think all of us would probably say, if we're honest, we'd look at us at ourselves and say, you know, there are a lot of things I do wrong. You know, oh God, help me to do right. And David says, that's who I have found that God is. That's what God does. And, and he reflects that God is with us even in the most difficult times that we can be aware of. He goes on, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk with COVID hanging over me and not knowing who's touched that door handle, even, even though I'm, I'm not sure if I should go outside and I'm, I'm watching this online, because I don't know if I can actually go there. E even though I'm walking in a, a country that seems to be getting more violent and more divided by the day and the week. Even though I don't have to fear the evil, the brokenness, the division, the unhealthiness, the, the things that are going wrong. I don't have to be afraid, even at times like that. Because God... I think David would say, is with us. He's with us. He's with us in such a way that, that he brings all the tools out of his arsenal to protect us, to guide us. The rod and the staff protected and guided sheep. And that's who God is. That's what God does. Uh, even in those times when we're beset by, by people that want to hurt us, God provides a table before me. He, he spreads out a feast. He invites me to sit down and be at peace and take in what it is that I need, even in the presence of those that trouble me in Washington, on my Facebook page, on the news, down the street. In my house. In another translation, it calls them my enemies. My enemies. And David was a warrior. He knew what enemies were. He, he had been 
pursued by, before he was king, he was pursued by King Saul, who saw David as an enemy and tried to kill him. And David knew what it was to look around and, and have enemies. And he said, but God is a God that provides for me and sits me down and protects me to the point that I can, I can have a feast even in the midst of all of that that's happening. That's who he is. And he anoints me. He, he has a calling for me. When you get anointed, it's a sign of blessing and a sign of calling that I have purpose for you. And it's not for you just to run and hide in a cave somewhere to get away from it all. It's purpose for you to step out and become who I made you to be. And your cup is full. The, the blessing is there. And then David says, you know what? Not only is God good to me and not only does God show me mercy, but wherever I go, it follows after me. It won't leave me alone. Goodness will not leave me alone. And mercy, I can't lose it. No matter how hard I try to leave it behind, God is still merciful to me. And I expect he will be all the days of my life. And that's my assurance. I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be a part of His family. That's what it means to dwell in the house of. It doesn't mean to go to church. It means that you're, you know, in my family, we're the house of bachelor. I'm in the house of God. You're in the house of God. You're a part of His family. And you're going to get to be a part of His family forever. These promises don't run out. In spite of our circumstances, this is who God is. Whether we're at ease, in the pasture, being fed grass while somebody fans us and gives us water. Or whether we're in front of our enemies, in a hard time, in a hard place, even facing death. God is with us and good to us and merciful to us. And we can't get away from it. Now, in Philippians, Paul says almost the same thing in a different way. I mean, he brings something else into it. Paul, it, it starts out, he, he tells people to be joyful to, in, in the face of trial and persecution. That's, that's kind of the message that he's giving right there. And at this time in history... They were going through persecution in a way that we don't understand, a way that we haven't had to. Uh, Rome had taken over the known world. And if you didn't do what Rome wanted you to do and Rome's way of doing it, they, they could force you to do it at the point of a spear or the blade of a, of a sword. And if you didn't comply, well, then you could go and meet your God. Um. The Jewish people had been conquered by Rome. Rome had vastly different beliefs, different gods they wanted you to worship, uh, different values on what was important in life. Um, we're not quite at that point in this country. We have not been taken over by, by another country that's so different than like that. But further... Paul is writing a letter to a group of Christians, they're, they're Jesus followers, in this town in Philippi. 
And some of them are Jewish background believers. They're Jews who believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And some of them aren't Jewish. They're Gentiles. But they've come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, he's God in the flesh and he's the way to, to know um, to know God and to be close to him, be forgiven of sins and have a brand new life. This is who he is. But the, the end result of that is these Christians, as they were starting to be called, were despised by Jews that didn't believe that way and persecuted by Jews. Paul was one of the ones who was sent out to persecute them at one point. He would kill them if they didn't repent of this. So Jews were persecuting them. The other Gentiles were persecuting them because you don't believe in our gods. You, in fact, you say all our gods are worthless, that there's only one God. You know, y'all are narrow-minded, stuck-up folks. We're, we're not doing business with you. And they wouldn't. They, they, they wouldn't do business with them. They'd make up false charges to get this group of Christians in trouble. They'd beat them. Sometimes they'd kill them. These folks were persecuted. These folks faced hardships and difficulties. We've only seen a smidgen of this here in the U.S. People around the world today see it much more than we do. There are more martyrs now than at any other point in our history. People are facing death because of their belief in Jesus around the world today. But not us. But Paul, who was talking to a people who were facing these things told them this, that he said, you know what? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And if you didn't hear what I just said, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. But Paul, you haven't seen the headlines today. You don't know what he tweeted. You don't know what my aunt said, you know, on Facebook. You have no idea. Really? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. He's good. Uh, Let your gentleness be evident to all. I don't know about you. Even though I'm a paid Christian, I'm a pro, I find it very hard to be gentle when I'm agitated, upset, angry, tired. If I'm going to be gentle, the best chance I have is to be calm and at peace. Y'all may not be like that. And he's saying, let your gentleness be evident. Be at peace. Be calm in the midst of all this stuff that's going on. Why? Because the Lord is near. And we forget that, don't we? Don't we forget that? Don't don't we look at all the, the headlines and the stuff that's going on and watch the news and listen to the reports and hear the podcasts and hear what they're saying and they have that sign in their yard and I just can't... Stand it anymore. No, calm down. God is actually near. But it's up to us. We have to choose to rejoice. This doesn't just happen to us. We have to decide that we're going to do that. This is the command that Paul gives. He says, this is what you need to do. You need to rejoice. I don't feel like rejoicing. Okay, just rejoice anyway. Choose it. Choose to be gentle. Choose to recognize that God is near. And he goes on. He gets, he gets harder with this. Don't be anxious about anything. 
What? I have way more to be anxious about, Paul, than you can shake a stick at. That other side might win. My vote may not count. Oh, don't be anxious. Don't get stressed. Here's what you need to do. You need to pray. You need to petition God. But don't, don't just do it out of your desperate need. I understand. You've got desperate needs. Do it with thanksgiving. How do I do it with thanksgiving, Paul? Do you have anything to be thankful for? Has God provided for you in the midst of this? Do you have people that love you? Do you have food to eat? Do you have God close by? I bet you can make a list that there are things to be thankful for in the midst of, of this. And, and with that thankfulness, present your request to God. And if you'll choose to do this, if you will choose, I'm not, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to feed my fear and my, my anger. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to figure out what I have to be thankful for. If, if you'll do this, guess what? There's side benefits. As you come close to God and he comes close to you, one of the benefits is the peace of God comes upon you in ways that just don't make sense. You'll look at yourself and say, How can I be so calm in the midst of so much turmoil? It just doesn't make sense. Well, that's the peace that transcends understanding. It may not make sense. It's a side effect of coming close to God, of reminding ourselves that He's near and looking for Him and being grateful to Him and turning our cares and worries over to Him. It's a side effect. If you go looking for the peace, your heart's out of order. You need to set your heart on coming close to God and choosing these things. If you don't make these choices, it's very likely you won't experience this peace. But this peace is not just something that feels good. This peace is something that will protect your heart. It actually acts kind of like a, a soldier against these enemies that come against you, the, the fears that come against you, the headlines that you read. It's like, hmm, guards your heart, guards your mind. No, no, I'm not going to get wrapped up in that. I understand. There are consequences. Ideas have consequences. Bad ideas have victims. We've we got to make the best choices that we possibly can. But there are things that are out of our control that only God influences. And we have to hide ourselves in Him for those things. It's up to us to make these choices. And, and Paul isn't done. He lays it on even thicker. He says, finally, I've got something else for you. I, I want you to be careful. Look down at the bottom line. I want you to be careful what you think about. Because... Guess what? You have a choice on what you think about. I want everybody to picture a pink dinosaur. Think about a pink dinosaur. What it would be like to, for me to have a pink dinosaur right here. You can choose to think about it. You can also choose to think about whatever's true. Because there are some things that are true and some things that aren't. 
one of the things that's true is God is in control. Choose to think about whatever's noble. Yeah, but he isn't noble. Well, don't think about him then. Think about what is noble. What is right. What's pure. What's lovely. Oh, take some time to think about what's lovely. Watch some sunsets and sunrises. Think about what's admirable. Well, they aren't admirable. Well, don't think about them. Think about the things that are excellent. Think about the things that are praiseworthy. You have to decide and make a choice. And you get to choose what you think about. You are not a victim of the thoughts that go through your head. Thanks be to God. And then he goes on. He says, what, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, whatever you've seen in me, put that into practice. What if we all were able to say that? That took, that was a strong statement. Paul better have been able to back that up. I'm not sure I could say that, but I want to. What if, what if we could live our lives in such a way that we say, hey, follow my example. I'm not getting twisted about that. I'm keeping my mind where it should be. Keeping my prayers where it should be. Fixing my eyes where they should be. Because if we, we do this, if we put it into practice, we'll recognize that the God of peace will be with us. He's with us. So we can prepare and put ourselves in the mindset to help us realize what's been true all along. That God is God and there is no other. That he's with us and loves us and cares for us. If we don't make these choices, then it's likely we will not experience the God of peace. We'll be twisted, out of shape, upset about all those things that are worth getting upset about. I'm not saying they're not. And we waste so much energy with how much we get upset about them. And it hasn't helped us, has it? (laughs) Paul even, he goes on to provide a little bit of his own testimony that, that even though he's been in desperate need at times, even though he's faced some hard circumstances at times, he's learned what it is to be content That's a great word. Oh, that we could learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. In hardship, we can be content because we have God. In good times, we don't lose our heads and freak out because of how good it is. We're content. We're content no matter what it is we face. Oh, what if we could learn that? What if we could follow his example in that? And he says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances and in all things I draw strength from the Lord. Wow. He was not superhuman, y'all. He's just like us. And he went from a man who was so bent out of shape so angry at these Christians that he was glad to kill them to a man 
that could be content in every circumstance. So we're reminded the blessings of God are not forced upon us. God's love is there. God is always with us. God is always for us. But he will not force his blessings upon us. It's our choice. If we come near to God, we experience the nearness of being with him, the blessing of being near him, and there are blessings that accompany that. But he will not force them. So where is our focus? What are we choosing? Finally, in the the gospel reading, um, it, it talks about that, that choice and, and what is it that we're doing. You know, the parable is from Matthew 22 about uh, Jesus says, imagine this. There's a, there's a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son and he told everybody, hey, save the date. I'll let you know when it's here. And day comes and he sends the servants out and they ignore the servants. They don't come to the party. And so he sends them out again. It's like, wait a second. Nobody can go back to him. Tell him it's time for the party. And a lot of people ignored him. No, I've got to go plow the field. I've got to get on Facebook. I mean, there are people I need to reply to on Instagram. You know, I've got to watch the news. I mean, that always torques me out of shape, so I need to do that. (laughs) And some other people had strayed so far from being friends with God that they were actually upset enough that God was the king, that the king was bothering them, that they killed the servants. And God didn't take, God, the king didn't take kindly to that. They declared war. And so he ended the war. He destroyed the cities. He destroyed those murderers and burned their city. I mean, we have to be careful. We can put our hearts in such a condition that even the things that God offers us when we come, we don't have time for. And I just don't even bother me with that stuff, God. Be careful. So the king in the story goes and says, well, they're not coming. Just invite anybody. I don't care. Good people, bad people, I don't care. And guess what? Good people and bad people came in to celebrate. But we know they all had time to put on the wedding clothes, except for one guy. One guy didn't put on wedding clothes. And and clothing at the time, it, it, it meant, you know, I mean, clothing says something nowadays, right? If you're going to a state dinner, you'd probably get dressed up for it, right? Clothing says something. Um, the clothes I wear today say something. The clothes you're wearing says it says something, right? Well, at the time when Jesus is telling this, it said something. It was a sign of honor, a sign of entering in, a sign of celebration. And everybody had time, evidently, to put on the right clothes except for one guy. And, and if you remember in the story, the king comes up to him. He's like, hey, friend. He calls him his friend. Friend, you're, you're not wearing the right clothes. What's going on? And I bet things would have gone differently if the guy said, you know, I'm a poor man. I don't have anything but this. It probably would have been okay. But it says the guy was speechless. He didn't have anything to say. And the king said, well, you're not wearing the right clothes. Get out of here. What's that supposed to teach us? We're we're, We're told over and over in the scriptures that our clothing 
when it comes to our hearts and the way our hearts are set, our clothing is the stuff that we do. And we're told over and over again to take off the old nature that we have. That nature that doesn't know God, that nature that doesn't trust God, that nature that gets upset about these things and torqued out of shape and angry and fearful and and revengeful and and judgmental. And we're supposed to take that stuff off like we're taking off clothes. And, And then we're supposed to be clothed in Christ. We're supposed to put on his character. We're supposed to be clothed in the things that, that typified his life. And if we're not wearing the right clothes, it keeps us from getting close to the king. I'm not saying you can buy your salvation, that you can purchase God's favor by how you ask. I, I, I'm saying that you can keep yourself on the outside of the party by the things you choose to do and not do. God's love is for you. He does love you. Right now, he can never love you any more than he loves you now. He loves you more than you know. He is for you, not against you. He, he, he would do anything for you to draw you near for your good. But he will not force you. And your own actions can keep you from knowing that. So he's extended an invitation and we need to prepare our hearts and come close to him. We shouldn't expect the benefits if we don't participate in them. Not because we buy his favor, but because we can keep ourselves from experiencing the goodness of God by what we focus on. On Thursday night, we had a prayer gathering here. We're going to do it again for a month. I'll tell you in a minute more about that. But during that gathering, during that hour, we're just coming close and we just want to come close to God because, you know, He's worth it. And we want Him. And we want Him more in us and to move in us and, and move through us to this community. We just have to come close. And so that's what we're doing for an hour on Thursday nights. And, and this passage, I was drawn to this passage from Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that so easily entangles this, this throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Isn't that true? Aren't there things out there that just slow us down, they weigh us down, they beat us up, they keep us from the things we get involved in, choose to do. I mean, we get wrapped up in it in, in ways that we'd, we'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed for you to know about mine. You'd probably be embarrassed for us to know about yours too. But instead of that, what if we could run with perseverance this race that God has called us to run? And he says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Are you hindered? Are you weighed down? Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author of your faith. He's the the perfecter. He's the one that brings to wholeness 
brings to completion your faithfulness. You want to be more faithful? Come to him. Look at him. He's the one who endured the cross because there was joy on the other side of it. He knew that the cross was in the way. He had to go through that so that all of us whom he loves could know him, could be forgiven, could lift up our heads to the fact that God is for us and come close to him because of what he did on the cross. And there was enough joy for him to go through it. It was shameful to be crucified, to be stripped naked and hung up in front of everybody. He didn't care. He scorned all that stuff. It doesn't matter to him. He went through it. And guess what? He sat down at the right hand of God on the throne of God and he rules the universe. He is in charge. And we have nothing to fear. Consider him. Think about him. Contemplate him. He he endured a lot of opposition from sinful men. Why did he do it? So that you will not grow weary. So that you won't lose heart. Are you weary? We're weary. Have you lost heart? Yeah, we're losing heart. So what do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus. That's our call. If you're weary, fix your eyes on him and contemplate him. Consider him. Are you losing heart? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Are you weighed down by COVID, by the election, by fear, by anger? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Are you tangled up in things that keep you from recognizing that God is with you? That keep you from seeing him as a good shepherd to you? Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you feel like you're just merely enduring, that's all you can do. You're just getting through the day. You don't see the joy ahead. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're beset by enemies to your soul, like David talked about, fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. He's in charge. He's on the throne. He is for you, not against you. He loves you more than you know. He rules the universe. And no matter what we face, He provides. Now, if that's you, I want to pray for you. You may even want to come up and while we're singing, you may want to come up and pray. Come up and have me pray. You may want to kneel where you are. You may just want to sit there and let this soak into you. We're going to start singing in a second after I pray. And then you can come up. You can sit there. This is our prayers of the people today. We're not doing other prayers of the people. This is it. So come Holy Spirit. Come and meet with us. Come and minister to us. Come remind us that you're the good shepherd. Oh God, there's so much to be fearful of and angry about. But instead, we just want to consider you again. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus.
I just see you, Lord. Come. Come and meet with your people. If you want to come forward, you can come forward. Raise your hand if you want personal prayer. No obligations, no expectations.
ます。